In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, as we gaze upon your crucified body, we ask that we might understand that no sin is unforgivable, that you truly became flesh to show us your love for us, and that your strength is beyond all power in this world. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So before I get into the... Uh, it's not so much, this one isn't really a talk, it's more of a meditation. Um, but I was watching, I don't know if you guys saw that couple training that dog. And I was like, that, that is like the perfect image for a retreat. He's like, you know, the guys stand in the water. And labs love water, but this puppy doesn't know that it loves water yet. <laughs> it's like, come on, <laughs> come on. You know, I just is like, that's like the Lord. Like, come on, let's go a little deeper, right? So, but anyway, um, this next talk is... Uh, I just call it three different types of people. Um, and I stole a lot of this from a buddy of mine who's a priest. So I'm not ashamed to say that because it's, it's really good. Um, but I think if you, look at, if you look at the cross, there's three different types of people. First is the people that have heard it have said so often. You know, they go to Mass all the time. They hear it said so often that, you know, God is infinitely compassionate and loves you so much and but then they've they've seen others suffer or they themselves have suffered extremely and they just see all that talk as just talk right there was a <clears throat> this guy who i took some, a lot of this from he he got a letter from a woman and uh, he he speaks quite a bit and <clears throat> so he didn't know where it came from because it was anonymous but the letter was this long beautiful letter but very hard to read he said and then at the end this was the line that she wrote. She said, Father, you told me that God loved me. You lied. She was abused as a young girl. <clears throat> and uh, she then says, if he loved me, where was he when all that was happening to me? Which is an honest question <clears throat> and no easy answer. Uh, the gospel doesn't offer pious platitudes or simplistic explanations for the horrors and traumas that we go through in our life. <clears throat> and the reason the gospel doesn't do that is because God doesn't do that. He doesn't try to explain it. Instead, God becomes flesh. He doesn't simply offer us words. He offers us himself. God doesn't tell us that he loves us. He proves it. And how does he do that? By this. That's why I brought it. <clears throat> But there's a problem, I think, when we <clears throat> talk about uh, the crucifix. We wear crucifixes around our necks, hang them in our churches, put them on walls of our homes. And generally, I think we have absolutely no idea what, is, what was really going on at the crucifixion. I don't think we understand it. I, <clears throat> there's a, a pr Christian preacher named Fleming Rutledge, and it's kind of a lengthy quote, but I want to read it for you because I think it captures what was going on at the crucifixion. She says this, if Jesus' demise is construed nearly as a death, even as a painful and torturous death, the crucial point will be lost. Crucifixion was specifically designed to be the ultimate insult to personal dignity. The last word in humiliating and dehumanizing the person. Degradation was the whole point. Executed publicly, situated at a major crossroads in a well-trafficked artery, devoid of clothing, left to be eaten by birds and beasts, 
Victims of crucifixion were subject to optimal, unmitigated, vicious ridicule. When Jesus took upon himself the sin of the world, it means quite specifically that he suffered the shame and the degradation that human beings have inflicted on one another, and that he above all others has done nothing to merit it. The cross was a form of advertisement, a public announcement. This person is the scum of the earth, not fit to live, more of an insect than a human being. Crosses weren't placed out in the open for convenience or sanitation. They were put there for maximum public exposure. Crucifixion had as its express purpose the elimination of victims from consideration as members of the human race. It cannot be said, it cannot be said too strongly that was its function. It was meant to indicate that the crucified persons were not of the same species as either the executioners or the spectators, and were therefore not only expendable, but also deserving of ritualized extermination. Therefore, the mocking and cheering that accompanied crucifixion were not only allowed, they were part of the spectacle. Crucifixion was a form of entertainment. Everyone understood that the specific role of the passerby was to exacerbate the dehumanization and degradation of the person who had been thus designated to be a spectacle. Crucifixion was cleverly designed, we might even say diabolically designed. And according to the gospel, the Son of God, out of love for you, chose willingly to die in this way. So what I want you to think about, if you're in this first category, is his love is not mere words. There is quite literally nothing left to give. The creator of the universe is naked, totally exposed, subject to mockery, with every last drop of the fluids of his body wrung out of him. Why? To prove his love for you, no matter what you go through, that he is with you. He can't make people do things, but he can be with you no matter what you go through. The second group of people... are those who hear that despite all this talk of mercy, they feel they're beyond mercy. Maybe you were on this retreat and you feel like you can't enter in like other people can. We can't enter into the joy of our faith somehow. We are disqualified. It's too late. So we put up a good front, but deep down, that's what is more than a few of us may feel. If that's you, please listen. And as you listen, look at this crucifix. Scripture says this, While we were yet helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. The ungodly. Paul writes to his friend Timothy that God desires all men to be saved. Not most, not some. All. That means you and me, no matter what it is or how often you and I have done it, that there is forgiveness. I'm sure you've all heard of the Feast of Divine Mercy. We'll pray the Divine Mercy Chapel after after this, but it's the Sunday after Easter Sunday. It's a feast that is connected to a series of visions to a young Polish nun named Sister Faustina Kowalska. And I just want you to listen to what Jesus says to her and through her to everyone. 
Jesus said, my daughter, write that the greater the misery of the soul, the greater its right to my mercy. Urge all souls to trust in the unfathomable abyss of my mercy, because I want to save them all. Let the greatest sinners place their trust in my mercy. They have the right to it before others. My daughter, write about my mercy towards tormented souls, souls that make an appeal to my mercy delight me. To such souls I grant even more grace than they ask. I cannot punish even the greatest sinner if he makes an appeal to my mercy. So I don't know. I don't know everybody's past. Even in writing this, I was like, you know, this is a group of pretty good guys, but I don't know what you've been through. I don't know your history. Maybe you've been a part of some really evil stuff when you were younger. Maybe some really evil stuff happened to you. Maybe you had an affair. Maybe you had more than one. Maybe you're addicted to pornography. Maybe you were sexually abused or physically abused. Maybe you caused the abuse. I don't know. But know this. You're his son. And unlike you and me, God loves to forgive. So appeal to his mercy. Here and now. The third group, I think some here, I think men, maybe in general, in the church, uh, think that Christianity and Jesus is weak. Evil seems to have the upper hand to win the day, to conquer. We see it all over the place. We all complain about it. But unlike you and I, we don't clearly understand the power that God has. I want you to know this. The greatest athlete of all time is not named Michael, is not named Wayne, and sure as hell isn't named Tom. It's Jesus, and it's not even close. Unlike all the accomplishments of athletes, which, by the way, at the end of the day, do nothing for you and me, They're basically a diversion from what we're afraid of in our lives. Unlike sports players, Jesus' death and resurrection were for you and me, and they totally change our lives. I want you to listen just, this is from Luke's gospel, what Jesus says about himself and why he came. He says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his palace, his goods are in peace. But when one stronger than him attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. The strong man is who? Anybody? The strong man is the devil. His palace is the world. And his goods are us. The stronger one is Jesus. I don't know if we often think about this, but God became man to go to war. The reason the Son of God came, Scripture tells us, was to destroy the works of the devil. And you can be sure of this. The cross is not happening to Jesus. It's a trap. Have any of you guys seen Nefarious? There's a great line in that movie when he said the cross was our greatest mistake. 
It's a sneak attack. God is luring the enemy into a fight so he can rob him of his power. The enemy isn't stupid. He just isn't wise. So God draws the enemy to himself in the most creative and unthinkable way. Not by becoming man, but by becoming man and going to the cross, which is a death of a slave. As I said in the first group, it is the lowest possible thing you could do. And in the devil's mind, he had to be thinking, die for a creature that you made? That thought wouldn't even have entered his mind. And why wouldn't it have entered his mind? Because it's an act of unconditional love, something the devil knows nothing about. The only thing the devil knows is domination, coercion, and power. Now, despite how it appears, God is in control of everything. I will assure you of that today. Everything that's happening is part of his plan, just like the cross was part of his plan. And it will look as crazy as the cross looked to the devil to us. Because we don't understand how he works. The letter to the Hebrews tells us, by his death, Jesus destroyed him who has power over death. That is the devil. To deliver all those who through the fear of death are subject to lifelong bondage. I want you to listen to how St. Augustine put it. The devil was conquered by his own trophy of victory. The devil jumped for joy because remember he hates us. He jumped for joy when he seduced the first man, Adam, and cast him to death. By seducing the first man, he slew him. By slaying the last man, Jesus, he lost the first from his snare. He goes on to say, The victory of our Lord Jesus Christ came when he rose and ascended into heaven. Then was fulfilled the scripture that the lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered. The devil jumped for joy when Christ died. By the very death of Christ, the devil was overcome. He took, as it were, a bait in the trap. He rejoiced at death, thinking himself death's commander. But the Lord's cross was his trap. You want to think about it in, this, in these terms. Jesus' flesh, his humanity, is the bait. And when the devil takes the bait, the crashing bar of his divinity comes down on his head. Let me give you time just to look at the warrior before you who went to war out of love for you and for me who is on a cross, not just suffering, but fighting. No matter what it is that you've done, that cross is the invitation to begin again. Death, sin, and hell have no power over you. Not anymore. All of you here are his sons. But you have to receive it, and you have to believe it. You want a few scripture passages? Um, I highly recommend Romans 5, verse 6. Romans 5, verse 6. And Luke 11, 21 to 22. Over the next hour or so, I just maybe contemplate whether, and maybe you're not in these three categories. And if you're not, then you should fall to your knees in gratitude. 
absolute gratitude. And if you are in these three, hopefully as you look upon the cross, you can see what was done for you and receive it.